armless bandit. Empty your bladder of that bitter black urine men call coffee. It has its price, and its price has been paid. Java devil, you are now my bitch. Hello, and welcome to episode 509 of Under the Cull of MS. This is a comics review episode, and a little bit of whatever. I decided to talk about, as a quote from the tick, uh... I don't know what's up with the, if there's a web browsing war going on or what, but all of a sudden the past month or so, it's like I had Bing so I could collect my Microsoft points. Bing wanted me to change over to Chrome, well, Chrome wanted me to change over to it and kept pop, doing pop-ups saying better better surfing or better whatever by switching to Chrome and make things run smoother. Then there's a Windows update. Windows must have bought out Bing or combined with Bing. Now Windows wants to be my main browser. It's like, well, what the hell? It's like, I just want computers that work let me get on the internet. I don't give a shit which <laughs> browsing platform I use. And then I always click to not sync my devices. I don't want my devices all synced. I have favorite uh, list on each computer for different areas that I'm at. So I can search for those things. And all of a sudden one day all my computers are in sync. With all the stupid uh, favorites list and everything. So they I don't know if they combined my list or if I lost a bunch of shit. I'm trying to figure that out. But I have so many files in there because I keep all the stuff I want to talk about on podcasts. Plus anything that's new and plus my old stuff that I want to keep. So now I'm just kind of wiping everything out. Just working on... Getting it all cleaned out and start fresh. So far I got my both email accounts all cleaned up. Basically went through all my regular emails. If it's something I wasn't going to take care of within three days, got rid of it. So it's been sitting in my files forever. Went into my archives. My archives had hundreds of emails piled up that I was going to come back to to look at stuff never got to them so clean all those out and now i got my emails all freshened up now basically got like two or three emails just sitting waiting for me to finish up some stuff other than that all the other ones are gone it's nice it's kind of like a stressor off you even though i didn't need to get to the shit i knew it was there so it kind of bugged me but now that it's all gone, I can start fresh and start working on the next thing, which I got to get through these favorites and get all that. But that's going to take a while because I got thousands of <laughs> things in there that I have to double check and talk about and go through. So it's going to take a, a while to get through that part. 
But yeah, I don't know what's up. These browsers are constantly wanting to switch on me. And I just want my Bing so I can get my Microsoft points. So I was happy when Windows got that all set up on there. I think they were part of each other's company for a long time, but I think they just kind of organized it better. But yeah, Google Chrome's constantly bugging me for to use their browser and say I don't give a shit who I have as long as I can get to my stuff. But I don't use all these extra things, these highlightings, these page changing abilities and all this shit. So I don't need all that stuff at the moment. I don't really care other than my bing. Uh, other than that, what we've been up to lately, we got Disney Plus and ESPN Plus added onto our Hulu for a while to get caught up on some things on there. Checked out Strange World, which is a fun little planetary family exploration animated movie. I was going to go see it in the theaters. I'm glad I didn't. It would have been fun for the visuals. Other than that, the story is eh. So-so. But I watched it. Guardians of Galaxy Holiday Special. I watched twice. Or three times. Two or three times. But that was just hilarious. I mean, anytime you bring Kevin Bacon into something, it's always fun. So, it was an interesting little look at the Star-Lord's missed memories of Christmas brought back to him in a fun and unique way. And we find out about his other family members and his friends trying to help him out. Uh, Star Wars Tales of a of the Jedi or of a Jedi or whatever it's called. Basically animated uh, look at the wonderful Osaka Tana character and her growing up how she how her powers and abilities grew and the whole look at that. It was a quick, fun little series. One season so far. Hopefully there'll be more of that. <clears throat> we got the Bad Batch back. Uh, I think there's only been three, three or four episodes so far. There might have been a fourth one this week that I haven't watched yet. I love the first season of that. I'm glad they brought it back. This season so far is decent. So I'm going to try and finish that off before I get rid of Disney+. Plus. But I might not want to wait for a weekly release. So we'll see because I'm pretty much caught up on everything on there. Checked out Fire of Love from the... What is it, the History Channel or just whatever 
Nat Geo channel that they use on the Disney Plus app. It's about two volcanologists that grew up in the same part of the world, fell in love with the same things, and ended up falling in love with each other and just spending their life going around to all the different volcanoes researching them, doing some really crazy experiments, like him and a, another scientist take a rubber raft out on a sulfur acid lake and go out to the middle of it to try and drop down a metal container on a metal string to get some readings deep in the center of the lake. And, of course, the acid eats through the metal and the thing falls to the bottom they're lucky that it didn't eat through their boat or their oars or something but he had a dream to take a canoe or some type of device down a lava flow never had the opportunity to do it because of course towards the end of the show they get killed by a volcano spoiler alert <laughs> there's always spoiled spoiler alert with everything i talk about but i knew that going into the movie but i still wanted to check it out and it was highly interesting so if you're into that stuff at all i suggest checking it out and uh we rewatched the original willow movie because that's the other thing we still gotta watch is the Willow series. It was fun rewatching the Willow movie, movie with Mad Mart again. Just getting that refresher in my brain. It's been a long time, probably since early 90s. Since I watched that movie, early to mid 90s. On Netflix, we checked out Glass Onion, Knives Out. It's a really fun crime drama. I don't remember much of the first Glass Knife Salt movie or whatever the heck it was called. I recall not liking it that much. This one I really enjoyed. Uh, on Hulu, they have Motherfuckers, MFKZ, a series, which is basically the whole first run of the comic book done in animation this is uh two little dudes growing up in the hood one's got a flaming skull for a head and they're being uh well they kind of recognize that there are beast alien type creatures in human form in our world and they get found out and get hunted down and all kinds of things happen including some lucha libre wrestlers coming to their aid at times some gangsters helping them out and after them and all these characters were after them and helped them out at times uh and a bunch of other characters along the way and it was just a fun romp 
for a comic book. And when I seen that the series was out, I watched that. And even though it was basically the same thing as the comics, just juiced up a little bit. It was well worth reading and watching both of, both of those. Went to a movie a couple weeks back. Went and seen Megan. The creepy little Mary-Kate and Ashley Chucky crossover type AI creepy character. That gets a little too attached to the family members. Uh, it was alright. It's not a horror film. It's more of an action drama. And uh, I wasn't going to go see it. I was going to go see uh, Puss in Boots, the new one, with the wife and her friend. And just so happened that that viewing of Puss in Boots was not there when we got to the theater. The one we seen was available for noon. So they could have either jumped in on one that was already playing or went with us. They decided to go with us to this film and everybody liked it enough. It seemed. Then Hulu, we've been we got caught up on the latest season of Welcome to Flatch. If you haven't watched that and you like goofy goofy characters fun comedy type series, I say definitely check out Welcome to Flatch. It it has been a fun, enjoyable series. And uh, as a Jamie Lee Presley joined this last season, I think that's her name, from uh... Oh, come on. What's the one where he's got the piece of paper with all his Amends he wants to make. My name is Earl. And then... I guess that's most of the things we watched. I just watched... Uh, Mark. Was it Marky Mark or whatever? And Kevin. Kevin Hart film with the turtle thing. My time, I think it was. That was okay. It's just uh, basically friends that celebrate big birthday parties every now and then. Just get way out of hand and things happen. And Kevin just happens to get tortured. <laughs> but other than that, uh, companies out there being sued by states for opioids, insulin prices, price gouging, uh, lower though, but the money doesn't go to the people. It goes to the companies that are that are suing the companies. So the people that get scammed or lost loved ones because of the drugs that they took, it, they don't get nothing. Now it's the same thing we're seeing in the gaming industry, the auto industry, the food industry, 
just lawsuit after lawsuit and the money's not going to the people that got screwed. So how does that work out? How do these big companies just get to sue these people, keep the money, and the people that are harmed don't get nothing? I know there's little civil suits and all that shit going on on the side. I'm sure for people that have lost loved ones or lost work and health issues and all that stuff. But but yeah, I'm kind of curious how that works. Because I constantly see it, and a lot of times it's something that was associated with a family member or someone that I knew. And I don't see them getting any of the fundage. So, it's kind of interesting how the world works. Well, actually, it's really not. It's kind of obscene and annoying how the world just takes advantage of everything and people that should benefit never do all right let's get to the comics we're already 20 minutes in here we got a little stack to get through but cars guns entropy a damn joy says warren ellis izzy tyburn has promised the world that if it won't have her in it It'll have nothing of her at all. Chased by an unstoppable killer, she's rereading her life, or re retreating, treading, retreading her life, leaving nothing behind but burned rubber, ash, and the sun-scorched bones of those who get in her way. Ride shotgun on an exist, exist, existential road trip through the tangled web of a blood-splattered life. Comic book perfection, says Multiversity Comics. Holy original, fresh concepts and characters pop up on almost every page, courtesy of Waters' mind and Danny's art. This is a series to keep your eye on, says Entertainment Weekly. Brings to mind Milligan's art house pulp and notes of Pretty Deadly says Kieran Gillen. Strange as hell, and I don't know what the hell I read, says Kevin Kleinhans. Uh, <laughs> this is Coffin Bound, Happy, Volume 1, Happy Ashes, by Dan Waters, Danny, Brad Simpson, Aditya Bidikar, and yet, if you like Dan Waters' work on Lucifer, this is even weirder, says Neil Gaiman. And it is. It is fucking weird. I mean, people cutting, like strippers cutting their flesh off and peeling their flesh off on stage for the masses to watch. We got a vulture that's all bones. At least his head is. That's in a cage. And. It's just. One character's kind of. Eliminating his body. To. Make it so. Less parts of his. Form actually touch. Bacterial surfaces. 
It's like a what you call it, phobe, uh, bacteria phobe. <laughs> Character that just doesn't basically uh, someone that just can't stand touching things, getting things on them. We had an Earth Eater character that just runs around eating pieces of dirt, chunks of dirt, handfuls of dirt to try and find whatever he's after. He can taste, <clears throat> excuse me, he can taste the remnants of the vehicles the people were in or where they walked, where they stopped. And We got a girl searching for guys, trying to help a guy find his eyes that were taken by these body, I don't know how to explain it, skin, it's not skin, it's all body parts, they like to kidnap people and take body parts from them and use the body parts on their own bodies. And I don't know, this is just a freaking weird story. I thought the wife picked it up somewhere at a bookstore. She says, after reading the back of it, I would have never picked that up. I'm like, yeah, uh huh. It's got a coffin shaped lettering on the front of the cover. That's why I think she grabbed it. I just don't know exactly where we got it, but it's by Image Comics. It's Coffin Bound, Happy Ashes, Volume 1, Trade Paperback. Just beyond weird. I just couldn't, couldn't do it. And I got the Green Hornet, number one, with a signed poster and signed comic that I got years ago. And this is done by uh, Now Comics and our Green Hornet characters basically come around, come along a money laundering empire. It's called Money Talks. A story by Chuck Dixon, pencils by Todd Smith. David Mowry for inks, Patrick Williams, letters and colors, Tony Caputo, editor-in-chief, and Jeff Butler did the cover on this one. And yeah, we get to see our characters just taking down a money laundering gang and uh, there's a Kanoichi uh, female samurai type character that it's caught up in this whole storyline. It was an enjoyable one. I liked it. For 90s Green Hornet storyline. We got Jughead's Time Police from Archie Forever and Archie Comics number one. This one's done by Cena Grace. Derek Charm, Jack Morelli, Matt Herms, and a variety of other collaborators. And uh, it starts out in Pop's Chocolate Shop, Archie, Jughead, Veronica, 
talking and Archie just has some ideas to that he needs to go back in time to fix a problem he had with making a recipe and he goofed things up and he wants to fix it up so he tries to find a way to do that and he just so happens to get in trouble with the time police for doing it and I believe this was like a short run maybe five six comics I could be wrong but I think I have the trade I just haven't read it but it could have been something else that I'm thinking of because Archie came out with so many things around that period I've always been partial to Plastic Man for some reason, just from my childhood watching the animated Plastic Man and the old uh, Justice League cartoon series and stuff like that and all the other Plastic Man stuff that came out back in the day. And I just liked the character because I thought his ability was cool as shit and he could turn into whatever you wanted, but he was always so against it. This is done, this is Plastic Man number five from the DC Universe, part of a six-issue miniseries that he's found in a bargain bin. This is the wrong man to save them. Done by Gail Simone and Adriana Mello and Kelly Fitzpatrick and Simon Bowen. Uh... We get some characters in here. I mean, we got like Polka Dot Man stuff and Submariner. I mean, there's a variety of characters in here that were a lot of fun, and including Man Bat because Plastic Man's like, well, Professor Langstrom is smart enough to try and fix himself. Maybe he can fix me. Plastic Man goes to him, and I was really happy to see him in here without knowing about it, because he's not on the cover, so I wasn't expecting that. And then, just Plastic Man trying to deal with family-style life issues, and just being a mess up along the way, and having to fight with himself at times, and it's just... It was really fun. I'd like to re get the other five issues from this miniseries and read the whole miniseries. But yeah, it was a nice little refresher on Plastic Man. Then we got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Armageddon, Armageddon game opening moves number two. Which I thought was number two of the Armageddon games. I didn't know they did a couple issue opening moves run for this, but it gives you a Teaser about Baxter and what he's up to and some new interesting characters along the way that may or may not have been formed from Baxter, Stockman, and are seeing Splinter dealing with his daughter and kind of spending some time with his ex, his, his dead wife maybe or I don't know if she's alive dead she's in corporal form in here for a while and they do some traveling in the in and out of people's minds there's a very interesting beast that can 
track and hunt people down and it's after someone it's it's an interesting storyline the characters are a little more matured up in these this storyline and there's a lot of things happening and they're big reads uh, and i read this one after reading the armageddon game number one and then I realized that the opening moves was a thing before this. But dealing with the Foot Clan, you got the Pantheon, the Rat King, Orokosaki, Baxter Stockman, General Kane, Crane, I mean, Madame Null, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. All in a big fluster of things that are happening along here. This is done by Tom Waltz. Vincenzo Federici, Matt Herms, Sean Lee, Nicholas Nico, Charles Beecham, and Nickelodeon and IDW. And actually, I think what we're going to do, I'm just going to end it here. And I'm going to come back, finish off the Armageddon game talk and the last couple comics. And then we'll end it with some oddball stuff. Finish it there. So I'll be right back after this. Okay, we're back. Talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Armageddon game number one by IDW. Story so far. For months. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and their most trusted allies have been adrift in a cloud of chaos. Even as they've brought back their, or fought back their enemies, they've sensed something sinister lurking in the shadows. And now, they finally know why. The Rat King has been setting the stage for an apocalyptic event he calls the Armageddon Game. With all the players gathered, it is time for the game to begin. And yeah, this is going to be a big battle with good and bad sides joining each each other. I don't like the Leatherface cr train crossover. I always, Leatherface was always one of my favorite characters. But... We get the turtles, we get Jenica, we got Crane, we got Urukosaki, we got all sides in here. We're even starting to see some dinosaurs. And it's going to be pretty much, I'm assuming everything from the turtles realm Just kind of all crossing over and one all the characters beast and some new ones. <clears throat> I mean, this one's a long running one. I mean, you got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Armageddon game, opening moves number one, followed by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 131, opening moves number two, Turtles number 132. The Armageddon game number one. Turtles number 133. The Armageddon game number two. The Armageddon game, the Alliance number one. 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 134, The Armageddon Game number 3, The Armageddon Game The Alliance number 2, Turtles number 135, Armageddon Game number 4, Armageddon Game The Alliance number 3, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 136, Armageddon Game number 5, Armageddon Game The Alliance number 4, Turtles number 137, Armageddon Game number 6, Armageddon Game The Alliance number 5, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 138, Armageddon Game number 7, Turtles number 139, and Armageddon Game number 8. So yeah, this is going to be a long running one. I hate how they lay things out, I get it. Going off their main line and crossing into the sidelines and getting them all to click together. I get I get it. But it's annoying because if you don't have those lists, which it's nice nowadays, because they put them in the back of the comics. So you can keep up on them somewhat. Some of the stupid ones that are just so ridiculously long, they only put some of the things in the back of each issue. So you're going to have to get a variety of them to figure out where everything's going. But, yeah. It's going to be an interesting battle. But I don't think I'm going to bother with it after these two. Especially since I screwed up and read them wrong anyways. I think I'm just going to wait. And maybe down the road I'll get the trade if I hear a lot of good things about it. But for now, I'm jumping off that one. But. One I've always loved and always pick up when I see anything for it. We got The Tick from New England Comics Press, NEC. This was a special issue for local comic shop day. This was back in 2016. And I picked it up. But, uh. Very Secret Identity, written by Jeff McLeland, art by Dwayne Redhead. Pages 1 to 3 were inked by Jeff McCombsy. But we got Tick and Arthur dealing with some stuff in the city. And they noticed that there's uh, flyers up for a ninja clan organization and they thought they got rid of the ninja clan years ago and so they have some old disguises from one of their friends a certain samurai that we love <laughs> named paul <laughs> and uh so arthur and the tick put those outfits on of course arthur's a big guy the ticks an even bigger guy and so they kind of stand out in their outfits, but yeah, it's fun watching what they do and what happens. And then uh, there's another little short story that was really fun called Feels Like the First Lime, written by Brendan Lee and art by Alex Harris. And it's there's a vendo, vendomatic machine that for only I think it's a buck fifty or a buck twenty five you can get your own super suit <laughs> a hero costume oh actually it's only a dollar 
which right there should tell you there's something wrong that you're getting a whole outfit for only a buck. But the tick puts it on and the outfit kind of becomes very becoming of him. <laughs> yeah, it was a really fun story. You should check it out if you like the tick. I don't know where, I, what shop I got that from. That was like seven years ago. So. And then next up and final thing for today for comics was the unnatural, er, Mirko Andolfo's Unnatural Volume 1 Awakening. Leslie Blair is a simple pig girl. She lives with her best friend. She loves sushi and she hates her job. But her life is anything but simple. She lives in the shadow of a totalitarian government, one that interferes in the personal lives of its citizens and brutally punishes transgressors for so-called unnatural relationships. Leslie dreams of something different for herself, but these dreams are becoming dangerous, and when she wakes, she could swear she's being watched. From writer-artist Mirko Andolfo, this breathtaking romantic fantasy thriller imagines a world that's full of colorful anthropomorphic creatures, but lacking in personal freedoms. And this is interesting. I'm not into the whole animal-human crossover storylines. I mean, yes, I like the turtles and stuff like that, but they're more animal-animal. <laughs> I don't know how... How to explain it, but yeah, these these remind me of like a furry party or something like that. I just I don't know. I just don't get into certain storylines like this. This was interesting. Uh, she's got some highly interesting dreams, and the world around her is just full of. Idiots that just don't want people to do any type of crossbreeding, any type of living their dreams, their lives the way they want. If they try, then they'll end up punished. And it's just all that type of stuff, just I'm bored with it. I know that. No matter what, we can't get out of the clutches of our governments. Our governments will always control everything and ruin anything anybody wants from the world. But I just don't really get, didn't get into that story like I thought I would. I'm glad I picked up this volume one trade. I almost bought volume two and three right away. I'm glad I didn't. I think I'm going to hold off on those. If I find them in a bargain bin, I'll, yeah, I'll pick them up because I'd like to find out what happens with the storyline. But other than that, 
just didn't grab me the way I thought it would. It's by Image Comics. I know a lot of other people are into it, but no, just didn't. Wasn't my cup of tea. So, and that is it for comics this week. We did stop it. A shop that's kind of like a used comic shop. I think it's called Grandma's Basement. To check it out. But it's kind of messier than my basement. <laughs> Boxes are just thrown all over the place. and You gotta dig through them, move them around and try and find stuff. But there's also other things like older action figures and other types of books. My wife surprisingly came across a Gremlins 24-page read-along book and record, 33 and a third RPM, which is the story and photos from the original Gremlins motion picture. And it comes with a record. And it just... These are so much fun when I was a kid. Put the record on, read the story with the record, and you get the sound effects and all that in the background. They got some cool ones like the Star Wars. I think I had Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. But there's just tons of different ones out there. And I decided to start collecting them again. Just because they reminded me of Good things from my childhood, and she also found Escape from the Gremlins. Gremlins story number three. To go with the ones I have, which I believe I have number one, The Gift of the Mogwai. Mogwai. Uh, and number two, Gizmo and the Gremlins. And I think I might have number five, The Last Gremlin, but I'm trying to get all five of those storybooks, and these are... They're worn and used, but the records are in perfect shape, so that was nice. So I was glad we found those. And other than that, let's just end it with some interesting facts of old. See if they have some fun ones in here. Did you know that 99 is a magic number? Try this trick on a friend. Ask him to pick a number from 1 to 100 and not tell you what it is. Suppose he picks number 27. Tell him to multiply his number by 90, 99. He'll multiply 27 by 99 and get 2,673. Then tell him to add the numbers in his answer. He'll add 2 plus 6 plus 7 plus 3 and get 18. Then you tell him that his final answer is 18. How did you know? Because no matter what number he picks, the answer will always be 18. Try it and see. Yeah, we used to know some of these number tricks back in grade school. And we used to always run them past through everybody and everybody got a kick out of them. In 1875, a horse race called the Kentucky Derby was run for the first time. 
a horse named Aristides, 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 won that race and earned a prize of $2,850. In 1974, the Kentucky Derby was run for the 100th time. A horse named Cannonade won and earned a prize of $274,000. Wow, that was pretty good money back then. So in 100 years, the winner's prize multiplied over 96 times. Oh, yeah, I suppose this is, that was 100 years later, duh. <laughs> I was like, damn, in 1970s, they were giving it, oh, that was 1970. That still was a good chunk of money in the 70s. During the Civil War, the town of Winchester, Virginia, belonged to both the North and the South. It changed hands a total of 68 times. Jeez. An eel can kill a person 20 feet away by discharging an electric shock. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought you could get up close and personal with eels as long as you didn't touch them. Alright. And now for all you poodle lovers... Poodle dogs originally came from Germany. The name poodle comes from the German word pudel, which means to splash in water. There is a six-foot-long dragon-like reptile in Australia called the goanna. If a goanna meets a human being for the first time, it might mistake that person for a tree and try to climb up. That's fine, as long as you're not poisonous. I don't care. <laughs> the cornerstone for the Washington Monument was laid in 1848. Over 20,000 people saw the beautiful 24,500-pound marble block put in place. However, it took 36 years to finish building the monument. And by that time, the cornerstone had been covered up. Today, no one knows where the cornerstone is. Well, that was pretty stupid. And last one, the common flea that's on your dogs and critters can jump 100 times its own height. If a six-foot-tall person could do that, he could jump 600 feet in the air. That would be like John Carter from Mars. He does his giant jumps. Yeah. That's the interesting facts for today. And that's enough talk. We got a nice little pile of comics out. And we're going to try and get some videos out yet this weekend too. So keep an eye out for them. We'll be back with all kinds of interesting fun. Uh, take care. I'll talk to you again soon. Check out Crimson Cull Comic Club under the cull, under the cull of MS, crimsoncull.com, uh, for some new comics that some members have made. Uh, AB Conversation. All kinds of fun and hilarity throughout the platforms, podcast, YouTube, wherever you can find our names. We're out there, so check us out. And we just had our, on the Crimson Color Comic Club, we just had our, two weeks ago, our 250th episode. 
which was a fun one. These were a couple longer episodes. Uh, and we had on the last episode, the 251st episode, we did Happy Astronaut with Matt Fife joined joined us, the writer of Happy Astronaut. Matt Rogers was going to join us, but ended up having something that conflicted with it, so he couldn't make it. But we still had a lot of fun, got some interesting information out there, so check that out. Check out Happy Astronaut. It's a gas. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I see a little robot apocalypse coming in our future. We'll see what happens. But yeah, that's it for today. So take care. Bye.